Alrighty guys, so we've been in this series called Back to Normal, right? And uh, let, me, let me bust your bubble real quick, okay? The, the, the series, what it's all about is that we're not going back to normal, okay? So unfortunately, this is our new normal, okay? This is where we're at in our current moment in history. Unfortunately, we can, we can dream and we can like hope to go back to the way things were in 2019, the way everything was, but unfortunately, this is our new reality. And, uh, and that's okay. What we want to do is see how is God at work and what is God compelling us and drawing us and calling us to do in our new reality because the world doesn't stop spinning. And there's still people that are lost. There's people that need to hear the hope of Jesus. So what, what are we going to do? We still need to grow in Christ's likeness and draw closer to God. So what are we going to do about it? That's the premise of our series. So today, let's look at our key verse. This is our key verse, our driving verse for the entire series is Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. And again, if, uh, if, if you haven't heard me say this before, we have some Bibles in the back. And if you want one, you can take it just to track with today. Or if you want to bring it home, that's our gift to you. The CSB version of the Bible. Feel free to grab one if you need it to follow along. Of course, you can always follow along on your phones or in your message notes. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Let's read it out loud together, okay? Ready, go. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Here's what I know about everybody in this room. That we all have a heavenly call in Christ Jesus. That God has put a purpose and a calling upon each and every single one of your lives. But there's a temptation to everybody in this room to live in the past, to live in the way things were. And we need to figure out, are we going to stay stuck in, in, hope, in hopeful thinking that we're going to get back to the way things were? Or are we going to do, like Paul says here, forget what is behind and reach forward to what is ahead. In other words, to what God has in store so that I can fulfill, I can pursue, so that you can pursue your goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus that God has placed in your life. Now, I had a, I had, we had our family we had an appointment to see an optometrist, to go see the eye doctor this week. By the way, um, your boy got better eye vision, you know, praise God for that. It's been two years in a row now, my eye's getting better somehow. I don't know how that's working out. But on the other flip side of that, three out of five of us wore glasses at home. And now, five out of five of us are going to need glasses. So soon you're going to see Christian and Melody with glasses as well. Uh, so anyway, but we had this, we had this appointment and then you got, you got a call, right? To confirm that you're going to come in. But they asked me all these questions. Now, some of you guys are maybe more familiar with this than I am, but they called me and they wanted to confirm. They asked me all these questions. Has anyone traveled outside of the New York, out, out of New York? Does anybody have a fever? Does anybody have a cough or the sniffles? Has anyone been in contact with the person who's tested positive for COVID in the past 14 days? They asked me all these questions and never do I remember ever having been asked any of those details to go see an eye doctor before, right? That's never happened to me before, but things have changed, right? Things have changed. Things are not the same. And so how we engage with other people, how we relate to one another, that's changed. How we go to the eye doctor, that's changed. And how they schedule appointments, that's changed. And guys, even just the normal greeting is weird, right? Like, like uh, how, do you, how do I greet you? Like, are you a fist bumper? Are you an elbow bumper? Are you just a straight up handshaker or a hugger? And, 
You know, or how do I, like, I don't know, that's weird. You know, we don't know how to do it. I mean, uh, it's so weird, like, you know, um, our president Biden, you know, he was on TV recently, a live, you know, and then afterward they applaud and he goes and he's just, it's just weird to me. Like, see, a, a 70-year-old guy giving fist bumps and elbow bumps to people, it just looks weird to me. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, right? It's just, but this is our current reality. This is what we're living in. I, I was at a pastor's conference about two weeks ago and, uh, you know, the host came on stage and he was like, all right, guys, turn around to five people and give them an air high five. <laughs> And everybody's like doing this, like giving air fire. Like, like, you know, can you, if, if aliens existed and they were like looking at us right now, right? They were like, what's wrong with these people, right? What are, they, what are they doing? It's so weird. But, you know, something that is core to the Christian faith, to, our, to the Christian message, is engaging with others. It's engaging with our neighbors. This means engagement through building relationships. This means engagement through sharing the gospel. And this means engagement through serving our neighbors. You know, when the pandemic hit, I remember thinking, man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because this is something that is so central to the Christian message, and it's one of our core values as a church. And this, this thing is ripped away from us. You know, especially early on, you guys remember, there was so much fear. And everybody stood so distanced from everybody, right? Like we were so physically distanced and so far away because of the immense amount of fear that was going on. And I remember early on in the pandemic, I remember coming to the crossroads of my personal fear and respect for this sickness and then looking at the needs of, my, of the members of my community and just seeing how desperate the people in my community were for, for things like PPE and food and and there was such a huge need. Of course, you guys know this. There's a lot of disparity in communities like Bushwick where we're so impoverished. There's a lot of disparity in neighborhoods like this. And, and I was like, man, but I'm not supposed to be around a lot of people and I'm kind of scared of this thing, but my neighbors need me. There's, there's elderly people that need me to go food shopping for them and stand in the line and help them. And there's people that need you know, me to encourage them and strengthen and help them during this time. And I came at the crossroads. I finally decided, man, I faced my fear head on. And I went and I sought out opportunities to serve my neighbors and to show God's love in practical ways and to be Christ's hands and feet. And I couldn't even tell you, we gave out thousands of sandwiches and thousands and pounds of food and thousands and thousands and thousands of masks and PPE. And oh my goodness, I mean, some of you were there to, to be a part of that. But we were able to meet needs once we were able to move past our fear. You know, one of our core values as a church is that we will love God, love people, and serve our community. That's one of our core values as a church. And so we cannot allow the fear and challenges to keep us from serving our neighbors because the need is too great and because God has entrusted us with too great of a message. But at the same time, so much has changed. So much has changed. And so right now, it seems like there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Do you guys feel that? There's like, right, the mayor got on the news this week, said, oh, you know, July 1st, I'm pushing for 100% reopening in July. There's like a light at the end of the tunnel, but not quite just yet. So what do we do? What do we do right now? What do we do? What are the new rules for community engagement? Well, here's the first thing we need to see. Number one in your notes is this, and that's that we cannot stop serving our neighbors. We cannot stop serving our neighbors. 
It's simply not an option for us as followers of Jesus to sit idly by and do nothing. That's just not an option that's on the table. The entirety of Scripture is clear in this, that we are called to love our neighbor as ourself. Mark chapter 10 says of Jesus himself, it says, you guys know the verse, it says that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, guys, Jesus in his ministry, he, he sought the attitude or he, he had the attitude of a servant. And his ministry, he had a ministry of meeting the needs of the broken, the rejected and the overlooked people of society. That was Jesus's ministry. I'm reading this book. It's called Liquid Church. And it's about Liquid Church. That's the name of the church. And it's written by Tim Lucas. Melissa and I were actually a part of this amazing church in Jersey for almost two years, you know, before we launched the church. And he wrote a book about, you know, kind of how God orchestrated everything and helped them start the church. And he writes this. I have it on the screen for you guys to follow along. He says, part of Jesus's vision for his church was creating a beloved community that champions the unique beauty of those with physical, emotional, and intellectual limitations, providing perhaps the one place in the world where they are completely loved and accepted, are befriended, and are celebrated as glorious people with sacred worth. You see, Tim Lucas and, and Liquid Church have this ministry of meeting the needs of some of the most vulnerable people in their communities where they have their churches planted. And in particular, they feel compelled specifically to serve people with mental disabilities and emotional disabilities. And we're talking about people with like ADD and ADHD um, and, uh, and some, that, some people that are underdeveloped. Uh, and they have a ministry helping uh, in, in involve these people, these, these overlooked people into their ministry and love. And he says, it's just not an option. This is, this is what we do as a church. And for us, we have the perfect model of Jesus who showed us that the natural overflow of experiencing the love of God is loving others and serving others. That's just a natural overflow. Guys, if you've experienced the love of God in your life, the natural overflow is that we love and serve our neighbors. And core to the gospel message is that God so loved us. This is the gospel. This is what we just sang a moment ago. That God so loved us that he entered his creation in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He served us. And then the God-man Jesus, he came to serve us by living a perfect and sinless life and ultimately served us by laying down his life so that we can experience forgiveness of sin and restoration with the Father. And so because of the generosity and from an overflow of gratitude in our hearts, we follow the example of Jesus and we also serve. Look at what Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16 says. I would love for you guys to read this verse out loud with me if you don't mind. Ready, go. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. If you like to take extra notes and circle in your Bible or in your notes, I would go ahead and underline a circle where it says, don't neglect. That's, that's kind of the key word that we see here, don't neglect, which means essentially don't forget, don't put to the side, don't reject to do what is good. In other words, to serve others. Don't put that to the side. Don't reject it. Don't forget it. But the word neglect also implies 
having to create intentionality around serving our neighbors and meeting the needs of our community. You see, the don't neglect is not just not doing something, but it's int- creating intentionality around doing something. You see what I'm saying? We need to create intentionality around it. You see, guys, you are not going accidentally, to accidentally come across an opportunity to serve your neighbor. You need to create an intentionality around it. You're not going to accidentally learn your neighbor's name and learn and hear their story and, and get an opportunity to share your story and share the hope of the gospel with them or invite them to do life with, to do life with them. That's not going to accidentally happen. You have to create intentional, intentionality around it. So how do we do this? Number two, you can write this down. How we engage our neighbors needs to change. How we engage our neighbors needs to change. You know, obviously, with the way everything that has changed, we simply cannot do the things that we've always done the same way. You have to change. The other day we were giving out, giving out lollipops in the corner. Lollipops, guys. Right? Like, who doesn't want a lollipop? All these different flavors. We got donated thousands of lollipops. We say, all right, man, we're going to put a smile on our neighbor's faces. We're going to give them lollipops. We're invite cards, right? Invite them to church or whatever. This is not unfamiliar. So, I mean, we've done this, guys. We, we give stuff out. We serve our neighbors. We just want to put a smile on somebody's face and give them a free lollipop. Well, listen, we got the job done, but it was difficult. You would think that we unwrapped each lollipop, licked it, put the wrapper back on, and then started giving it out, right? Because people's attitudes have changed. People are skeptical. So it's, it was a challenge. People's behaviors changed. Skepticism is at a whole new, uh, whole new high. So how we engage people needs to change. And so what that means is that we can't stay married to the way things were and the way we used to do things. It has to change. Now look at this. When you look at the life of Jesus, I want you guys to realize, do a quick overview of his ministry. He did ministry in different ways to different people. You see, Jesus' ministry and his ministry audience was diverse. He had a diverse means of serving people to a diverse audience. Sometimes his ministry was feeding thousands. He would share the hope of the kingdom of God and call people to repentance And thousands of people would sit and listen. And he would hear tummies grumbling. And then he would go ahead and feed thousands of people. And sometimes that was his ministry. But sometimes his ministry was more one-on-one. Like the woman at the well, where he called her to repentance. He revealed some stuff in her life that needed to be revealed. And he shared living water with her and gave her an opportunity to to repent. That was just a one-on-one conversation by the well. Sometimes Jesus's ministry was real up close and personal, like the time when he spat on the ground and he took his finger and made some mud. And then he stooped down, picked up the mud and smeared it into the eyes of the blind man in order to cure him. It was really up close and personal. And sometimes his ministry was socially distant. Like the centurion servant. You guys remember that story? The centurion servant, the centurion who was a Roman, a Roman soldier, loved his servant dearly. And the servant was on his deathbed. And so he sends messengers to Jesus saying, please heal my servant. But he tells him, listen, I know you can do it right from where you are. You don't need to come to my house. 
And what did Jesus do? He healed the servant. Socially distant ministry. You see, Jesus' ministry wasn't one size fits all. And it was adjusted according to the need. And so for us, we need to figure out what does it look like? How are we going to do ministry in our mid to post pandemic world? What's it going to look like? Because we can't, we can't stop. We need to serve our neighbors. So what does it look like? Well, number three, write this down. We must innovate and think creatively. We must innovate and think creatively. Now, I know this about you. I know this. You are a bunch of innovative, creative people. I know you are. 100%. And so since how we engage our neighbors needs to change, we need to figure out what changes need to be made. And since it's a given that this is what we must do, and this is what we're called to do, we need to creatively process what we can and how we can do it. It needs to change. Carrie Newhoff, he's a pastor in Canada and, uh, and a blogger, a very well-respected leader. He says this. I have it on the screen. He wrote this. He said, crisis is a cradle for innovation and the future belongs to the innovators. You guys are innovators. You are creative. You see, because God is an artist and because God is, is an artist, he has made you an artist. But Danny, I can't even draw a stick figure. <laughs> Artistry is so much more than drawing and painting. You're an artist because God is an artist. You see, he has made you creative. God is creative, so he has made you creative because the Bible says that we are made in the image and likeness of God. And so these are attributes of God that you and I both share, artistry and creativity. Innovation and creativity begin when we are able to see beyond the limitations of our greatest challenges. You see, I strongly believe that many of us have un been unable to see creative and innovative ways to do things, to do ministry and to serve others because we are too clouded by the challenges that are before us. You see, for far too long, we have allowed the difficulty of the season that we are in to not be able to see the opportunities that God is placing before us. And because we are so consumed by the desperation of the environment that we're in, and we're so consumed by it, we are simply not permitting God to show us the new, creative, and innovative ways that we can love and serve our neighbors and make disciples in our community. Is that true? Are you allowing, are you allowing, are you being consumed by just the difficulty and the, the weight of our current state of what's going on, of everything in the world? Are you allowing that to consume every, every part of your being that you cannot even see how God may be whispering to you today on how to think creatively and innovatively? You know, in other words, if you only focus on what can't be done, you will never be able to see what can be done. So what are you focusing on? Is your focus on, on all the, on, on the impossibilities? I believe, guys, it is time that we begin to think positively. Listen, I'm not a motivational speaker, and I'm not trying to coach you in that direction. I'm just speaking prophetically to you. Like, it's enough is enough. We need to begin to change our, our mindset, right? We need Romans 12, 2, a renewal of our minds. And we need to begin to think, what are the opportunities God is giving us? We have to be a people that don't simply look at what we lack, but we look at what we got 
And we say, how can we maximize this for the glory of God and the good of others? Guys, don't focus on what you don't have. Don't focus on what's not here. Focus on what God has placed in your hand and how you can maximize that for the glory of God and for the good of others. And when I think about this, I think about the fact that we could have been born in any time in history. You guys ever thought about that? You know, we, as Christians, you know, we believe in the sovereignty of God. And you could have been born 30 years, 30 years before you were actually born or 30 years in the future. But God decided to place you in this moment of his, in this moment in history. He permitted you to live through the great pandemic of 2020. Why? When I think about this, I think about the story of Esther in the Old Testament. If you've never read the story of Esther, I encourage you this week to take some time to read it. But essentially, Esther, she was in the palace with great influence to the king when the lives of her people, the Jews, was being, were being threatened. And she had an opportunity only that she could take in order to bring to light the injustice that was being made against her people. But it was at the risk of approaching the king and losing her own life. And so when she needed some encouragement, her uncle Mordecai shared this. Esther chapter 4, verse 14, it's on the screen and in your notes. It says, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position. Read the last part of this with me. For such a time as this. And I want to echo the words to each and every single one of us today. Swerve, perhaps... What if God has placed us here for such a time as this? What if you're not here by mistake? What if God placed you here on purpose? Here's what I believe that he has. And it's up to us to step up to the plate and to give God our yes. What innovation, what creative ideas can we implement to serve our neighbors, to create and build new relationships and to share the gospel? You know, every year we've done an Easter egg hunt. And typically when we do that, we serve 400 to 600 people at the park. And obviously with our limitations, we couldn't do that this year. We couldn't have 600 people crammed elbow to elbow seeking eggs. So what did we do? I got a little video clip that you guys can play. Junior, you can play the next slide. There's a little video clip there for you guys just to see as I talk. Essentially, is well, we're not going to give up this year. We still did it. But what we intentionally did was we try to keep the crowd smaller. So we had about maybe 150 people there and there was no egg hunting. We just prepackaged the eggs into some bags and the kids lined up and we gave the kids. But, but guys, like there were so many smiles and the families were so happy and excited. You know, we, we had to innovate. We had to think a little bit outside of the box, but it gave us an opportunity to be able to love and serve our neighbors. And the kids still had a blast and they still had a great time. Guys, are you going to allow the seeming limitations to keep you from engaging our community? Here's the last thing. Number four, you can write this down in your notes. That is that we don't give up and trust God with the results. We don't give up and we trust God with the results. Now, I know this about you because it's true about me as well. And that is that we love seeing immediate results. We want to see things happen right away. And we want, when we don't see immediate movement, the temptation is to be discouraged, which leads to giving up. Uh, two years ago, I dropped about 75 pounds. So whenever anybody meets me that knew me a couple years ago, right, they're like, Danny, how did you do it? Or they see old pictures and videos. 
Danny, how did you lose the weight? How did you, how did you do that? What's going on? You still maintained it. And, I, and I, I know what they're asking when they say that. What they're saying is, what's the magic pill? Like, what's the, what's the sauce? What's the secret sauce so that in seven days I can lose X amount of pounds? That's what I know. That's always what they're asking. And so when I tell them, no, like, you know, all I did was over a period of time, long period of time, reduce my calories, right? And instead of eating three plates of dinner, eat one, right? You know, and it takes a while. They don't like that response because there's no magical solution. It's just, no, man. I'm just like, you know, the, the Bible says, put, uh, put a knife to your throat, you glutton. And I, and I was a glutton, you know, I, so I stopped eating so much. And that's what happened. So people, but people want immediate results. They want the turnaround like right away. They want to see it happen, happen fast. And when we don't experience results right away, the easiest thing that you can do, the easiest thing that I can do is give up. That's easy. You ever gave up on something? It doesn't take any effort. You just stop doing what you were doing. It doesn't take any effort. But one of the most faith-filled things that you can do is not give up and endure. And this is part of the new rules for community engagement because so many have formed new habits. And so as a society, we've developed new fears. So here's what we need. We need a ministry of presence. We need a ministry of endurance. And ultimately, we need to trust God with the results. And I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-7. to 7. Check out what he says. This is super meaningful. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has a role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Read this last part with me out loud. Ready, go. But only God who gives the growth. You might want to underline that part in your notes. You see what he's saying? You, you see the emphasis that Paul is making here? Who's Paul? Who am I? Who's Apollos? We're nobody. We're just a couple of crazy guys who trusted God enough to do what he said and to trust him with the results. You see, guys, our job, your job, is obedience and faithfulness. And God's job is the results. Your job is just to be obedient. It's just to be faithful to walk in what God's called you to do, to live out the purpose that God's placed on your life. And let God take care of the results. But so often when we want, to play, we want to play God, right? And we want to rush the results. We want to see it sooner than it, it has to happen. But we have to understand that it's not our job. Let me finish this way. Let me encourage you. No matter, no matter whatever challenges we face, no matter what challenges you're facing, we cannot stop serving our neighbors. That's not an option. That's not an option. We have to continue loving and serving our neighbors. And listen, things have changed, so perhaps how we engage our neighbors also has to change. So it's time that we think creatively and that we innovate new or modified ways to serve our neighbors, to connect and build relationships and to share the gospel. And it's not easy. Guys, it's going to be difficult, but we cannot give up. And we have to trust God with the results. I'm going to invite Hunter to come up here, and he's going to lead us in one final song. Uh, but I, I want to finish like this, guys. Swerve, I'm confident that we were made for this. 
You were made for this. I'm confident and I know that our neighbors in our community, they need us to fulfill God's call. And perhaps you're here today and you don't have a lot of confidence in yourself. Because let's be honest, we've all taken a blow to our confidence in the past 13 months, right? Let's not kid ourselves. But allow me to instill a little bit of confidence in you. Better yet, some Godfidence, a supernatural confidence in God. That God has equipped you. That God has called you. And that he's given you everything you need to do whatever God's called you to do right now. So in a moment, I invite you to partake in communion. And, and as you do, I want you to remember that we serve because Jesus first served us. And our sins separated us from God. But Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of sin and he rose from the grave so that we can have new life. And Jesus serves us. And so from the overflow of gratitude and from God's love, we in turn, we love and we serve our neighbors. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus or if you're watching this online, then I encourage you to put your faith in him today. Let's pray, and then I invite you to head to the back, grab a communion cup, and you can partake in communion at your leisure. God, this has been a difficult time for all of us, Father, and there's been challenges, and those challenges have allowed to cloud many of our minds and thoughts from pursuing what you've placed in our hearts to do. So God, I pray that you would forgive us for our apathy towards serving our neighbors. God, we must not, we cannot stop serving our neighbors and this community. So God, I pray you help us create and help us innovate. Lord, in this room is full of creatives and innovators, God, and you're placing ideas in the hearts and minds of your people, God, and you're, you're casting out fear and giving courage, God, to step out in faith, to love and serve our neighbors, to meet our neighbors and to engage and share the gospel. I pray, God, that the temptation to give up is there, but I pray that we would not surrender and that we would not give up, that we would remain faithful and that we would trust you with the results. We pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. amen.